Hey everyone, and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bowen, and for this episode, we are back to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, and that is comics. Specifically, the City comic. You can read the whole thing on Webtoon, you can get the print copy, of course, and I'm now joined by the writer of the city, David Choi. Sir, welcome to the show, it is so cool to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Max. All right, man. So, 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 as I mentioned, two issues in, I've got them both. It's a really, really cool comic. But I'd like to ask you just where the idea came from, because this whole thing basically is set in the city, where these rival mm-hmm. gangs are just like completely at war, and it's one giant like battleground for everyone. So I think, um, I mean, it's definitely like there's like things that I really like liked growing up. Um, so I wrote that while I was studying uh, writing, and it was one of my final projects to write a feature uh, screenplay. It was—I mean, we had choices. I, ch- I chose the feature like screenplay because I wanted to be a writer like, for like uh, in the film industry. Uh, so I grew up watching a lot of Italian American like crime uh, movies, like Godfather, a lot of like Scorsese and stuff like that. So crime was always something that I always really, really like loved. Um, Sci-fi was also um, a huge, huge influence for me, like Blade Runner. And then I also uh, really love reading like dystopian novels, uh, Orwell. Um, I'm blacking out right now, <laughs> but uh, like uh, Brave New World, uh, all of that shit. So, so when it came to writing my final project, I was like, I'm only gonna because one of the things that the professor told us was um, a lot of people will start their final project, but will never be able to like finish it. So make it simple so okay like, let me just do stuff that i actually like writing about and like thinking about i think about like like sci-fi stories and like crime stories all, all the time so i just kind of like mash it all together and then um yeah and then i just like wanted to write like a a story where it's about this leader and it was this like fall from grace so it was just like downfall so it kind of like started from there like okay uh gang leader and then let's write about his like downfall and how it all happens. Okay. So you meant this originally to be like a screenplay for a feature film. What was involved mm-hmm. in sort of converting it to a comic strip? Because I know that those are two very different things. Yeah. So um, it was actually like, it's my first time writing for a comic book. So it was like, a, there was a learning curve to it. I think uh, one of the things when you're writing it for a script, like a film, like a film script, you kind of, especially as a writer, you kind of over like the, the details that a director would or how even like an actor would, or uh, I don't know, like a location scouting guy would. You just kind of write it how you think, you think the story is going to go. And then when the director actually picks it up, they kind of like make it more real, right? And when you, that's what I realized when I was writing it for a comic book, a lot of the details that I wrote in the script like description didn't even matter because I it didn't like a lot of the times that like it would even need to be translated into a comic book panel and also the fact that a comic book um there's like limitations to like page count it's the same thing with um with film as well right because like you want to keep it within like 90 minute like range to make it like entertaining not drag out too long so there is a limitation for film as well but with comic books, it's something that I didn't even think about. And I grew up reading comic books. So it's like, it was, it was like surprising to kind of relearn the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, 
I'm really not the best person because I'm. I mean, I'm not like I'm not a pro. This is my first like comic book project as well. But uh, yeah, I think um, it's definitely. I'm still learning right now. So, uh, so what did you grow up reading for comics? Because I'm because like you know, given what you got here with the city, I'm curious as to what you read growing up. So my parents are big like manga, manga fans, like manga readers. So I grew up like reading um, whatever they were reading, and obviously certain things um, that my dad was like reading like super like violent shit. Um, he wouldn't like let me read it quite yet. But one of the things that was still really violent, and it was okay because it was for kids, was Dragon Ball. And Dragon Ball the manga is like super super gory. I mean, I started reading. I mean, I started watching the anime first because like I was actually I grew up in the states like when I was five to like eight. Yeah, we would go to the Korean like grocery store, and the Korean grocery store would have bootleg Dragon Ball cassette tapes. <laughs> so like, my dad would be like, "Okay, this is like a really sick fucking anime. You're gonna love it." <laughs> and I was like a five year old kid. Like, you put that shit on, and it's just like martial arts, like like just dudes like buff dudes beating the shit out of each other. It's just like, yo, this is sick, right? <laughs> oh yeah, man, and and. Like what you mentioned about uh about uh, the bootleg anime, I did that shit too growing up. Uh, <laughs> there was a store that sadly is long gone, but they sold among other things bootleg anime. So I was seeing like the Dragon Ball Z movies. I think uh, the Pokemon movie, the first one, way before anyone else saw it. So when the thing, yeah. so when the so when the stuff came out in the states, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that like like four or five years ago. So and it was all these like really cheap copies and these like mm-hmm. you know cheap cases that you could tell this was just like not high quality. I was like, I, I don't give a shit. I get to, I get I get this shit way before anyone else. Yeah, and like a lot of times, like either they didn't have a certain episode or someone already rented it, so you're getting like like bits of like the story. Oh, so wow. you would have to fill in the blanks once in a while. <laughs> but uh, Well, given that it's Dragon Ball, I would say filling in the blanks is probably a safe guess to go with screaming, about to punch someone. Pretty much, you know, it's Dragon Ball. Yeah. It's like, next time in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> maybe, like... they'll, maybe they'll actually throw that punch. Nope, nope, they're not going to, nope, they're just going to like scream yeah. some more. Never mind. The entire episode is just like them staring at each other sometimes, <laughs> just like grunting. <laughs> like... God, yeah. That's a... Uh... There's a reason why the series is is also known as Dragon Ball Z. Oh, there we go. Takes yeah. forever. Um, but I I love that your parents were also like major nerds too. So so like were they really like influential and in you getting into comics? Oh yeah, because I like we would have like especially when we were growing up in Seoul. Um, in Korea, we have like it's called Manhwabang. And it's basically, manhwa is basically manga in Korean, right? It's like comic books. And pang means room. And you basically, uh, there's these manhwa bangs. You can, you can pay like a fee. It's like two, three dollars. And you, you basically go in and it's like a fucking, a comic book store filled with comic books. You know, it's just like amazing. <laughs> so you pay like three dollars. And I think it's like, I don't know if there's even a time limit. You just go in like an entrance fee. And it's just like a lounge with just comic books everywhere. All you can read. Why do so we have that like, here? Holy shit. Yo, I know. Like, I've, I've always thought about, like, hey, what if we like do something here like that? But then I don't know if it'll work. Because the thing is, like, Korean people are pretty, like, nice. 
Like, we're not going to, like, steal or from the business or anything like that. But if I do it, like, here, like, in North America, I, I think there's a lot more problems you have to deal with. Um, just because, like, that like culture is not the same um yeah you 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 would you would like close this door and realize huh so i'm missing like two-thirds of this series three issues of that series that one's completely gone what the fuck yeah and then like maybe even vandalism like people are ripping like oh yeah i don't know drawing stuff Um, in their kids you know yeah um, so yeah, so when we have like family outings, like family dinner and stuff, like after like like dessert or whatever, we'll just go to like my parents would take us to Amanaban. and there, um, my dad would like just show me like what he used to read when he was a kid, like like old Japanese like classic manga. So I actually grew up reading a lot of classic mangas, which is, um, I think classic manga is like the shit. There's a few guys that are doing it like now. But they're not the ones that are really getting acclaimed. So when I hear people, when when kids talk to me about anime and like the mangas they're reading, I'm just like, oh, dude, you have no fucking idea. These classic mangas are like, like they're so much deeper than what you're reading right now. Like, it's all a copy right now. Um, well, but, I, uh, I think yeah. it's I think it's the same with like uh, classic comics. You know, like Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. like back in the day. It's so different from what it is now. Now it's just like you know, splash page, punch to the face, splash page. You know, all this kind right, of shit. Yeah. So it, the style has changed a lot. You know, especially when, and then you see kids today reading, you know, like whatever the new Spider Man is. You're like, oh man, you, you kids got like no idea what it's really like. Yeah, I recently picked up. I don't want to bash anyone, so I'm not gonna say the the title or anything. But I recently picked up a. I'm not even gonna say what the who the publisher is, but it was like not good. Just like really watered out, right? And I'm like, man, this is like terrible. <laughs> like, there's no like, what is it? There's no um. I felt like there was no like stake to the story, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm a great writer. I'm a fucking amateur writer, but um, I mean, this is just me as like a writer and a fan. Like, I I I thought it was just like really watered out, and it was like. It's like a big publisher and everything. So I was like, oh I, shit. I really don't disagree with you because I think that that's the thing about the big companies. I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't, I don't have this deep insight into the comic industry, but I feel like with the indie companies or the people who just publish their own comics, you're seeing a lot more depth because they have to work harder to get that same attention. Right, right. So, like, I'll, I'll just give a shout out uh, to AWA. They're one, of, in my opinion, one of the best comic creators out right now. Their stuff is fucking amazing. Pick any of their titles; you're likely going going to enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 they and they started like two years ago. During actually during COVID, I think it's when they launched. Is is actually right during the height of the pandemic. And you know they're still going strong today. They're they're selling out pretty much, and they're and they're really getting uh, really making a big name for themselves. So again, I think that's just that that indie right, comics. Yeah. You're seeing more depth more stake and a lot more work that kind of goes into it. But anyway, that's my like kind of like old man comic rant for the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I always have old man comic rant. So <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, then why don't we swing back to making the city, you know, given mm-hmm. your folks, given their influence, when you told them, you know, mom, dad, I want to make my own comic. How did they react to that? No, I mean, I didn't even tell them. Like, I just like did it. Ha, nice. Um, Funny thing is, like, <laughs> just like a few months ago last year, my sister got married in Seattle. So, um, 
it was like a family reunion and I don't get to see my parents that often. Like, I think it was like the first time in like five years and it's usually like three, five years. I see my like family all together. So like they see me through Instagram and social media. I'm selling comic books in the streets and they, th they think like, this is like what I'm doing with my life now. So they're like, Hey, what's going on with you? Like you need money. I see you like selling comic books. How is that going? Is that like enough? Like, I'm like, yo, dude, like, I have another job right yeah. now. <laughs> like, like, uh, nope, it is definitely not enough. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, but but that's what I like to see, though, the hustle. You know, that's what I really liked uh, um, uh, about your Instagram stuff. You're out there hustling. You're out there selling this thing on street corners. You're at events and so forth. So, you know, given that, you know, you're like, you know, you're the writer and, of course, the guy in charge of uh, this thing, what's the hustle like for you? I mean, I think the hustle is like part of the fun. Like, I mean, at least for me, I'm not like a, I'm a, I like to get out there. I like, I like, I, I backpacked. I went, I did door to door, like lawnmowers, like, you know, I mean, like when I was a kid, I went to door to door with my lawnmower, you know, to mow lawns is what I'm saying. Yeah. So like, I kind of like the whole like hustle part a lot. Um, when I did, when we did like finish our first like issue, you know, because I, I went in like head hard, like just just like, let's make a fucking comic book. Let's finish the first issue. And then like it was done. And then what? Right. Now we have 300 fucking copies of comic books just sitting at home. <laughs> right? Yeah, we sold like maybe 50 to like the Kickstarter backers. And now we have like 250 left. Right. So uh, it was like, so what now? So we went to a we signed up for a signed up for a uh, comic book convention and then we went there and then we actually ended up selling like maybe 100 we did really well and then um and then i also i still had like 150 left and it was like like november december i think at that point and it was like super cold outside and like whatever and it was covid so it was like locked down and everything but uh i think that just like pushes you too it's like okay now you have 150 comic books like sitting at your home um you better do something about it. Like, it's not going to sell itself, right? And at first, like, it was definitely, like, nerve-wracking to to bring, like, 50 copies in your backpack and then go out in the streets and, like, try to, like, sell it. But, but like, as soon as you, like, get over that hurdle, it's, like, super easy. You're just there. And people find it intriguing, too, so they'll come talk to you. Um, and it's, like, fun. It's like it's like accelerating to be there, and then you can actually talk to people about your comic book. They're like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Like, it's fucking snowing. <laughs> what are you doing here?" Like, moms will be concerned, right? Like, random moms will come and then be like, "Hey, like, what are you doing?" Like, oh, I'm. This is my comic book. I'm trying to sell comic books, and then a lot of like a lot of moms like to buy it. I don't think you, they don't even read it, right? But they hear my story and they'll like buy it. A lot of like I I I would get tips from them too. Like they'll. They'll give me like a twenty dollar bill and be like, "Hey, this is just for you. Like, <laughs> good luck." Nice. So, um, there you go, man. There you go. Yeah. So it's it's really not that bad. I have like a lot of my friends in the community uh, who ask about that. Uh, they're like, "Oh, maybe we should. I should do it too." I'm like, "Yeah, dude. Like, the hardest part is just packing your shit and then actually going out there. And even when you're out there, like, it's hard to even set up. But once you're set up, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pack up again and leave." <laughs> like just just stand there oh, and see what happens. Sell those fucking comics, man. Sell those things. Nah. And I gotta be honest, man, I could not do this. Like I'm not 
that kind of person who could just be out there and selling his stuff. So, you know, props to you for just, you know, working that, you know, just working the, you know, working the angle, working the hustle. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Let us talk about the team behind this because you are not a solo act. You have mm-hmm. um, your illustrator, um, uh, Dickie Serger, and your yep. colorist, uh, Dave Pretorius, who, epic last name, Dave. Epic last name. Yeah, everyone um, loves the last name. <laughs> seriously, amazing last name. How did you meet these dudes and uh, kind of what led to you saying, okay, I had this idea. We're doing this thing. I know Dickie through um, a friend of a friend. And when I found out he was an illustrator, um, almost immediately, I mean, not immediately, but like the thought was there immediately because like, I've already had written this like story when I was a student. So whenever I like see like opportunities, I keep it in the back of my head. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, this guy's an illustrator. I always wanted to make comic books and I already have a script ready, but I kept it to myself. And then uh, when COVID was happening, we went out, this is like before we even knew COVID was going to happen. We went out to a bar and we're all like drinking. And then I got to a point where I was drunk enough. But I had the courage to be like, hey, Dickie, by the way, I have this like comic book project. I know you're a comic book nerd. And I'm a comic book nerd too. Um, like when we get the chance, I think we should like like sit down and work together. And he was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Like whatever. We're both drunk. And then um, COVID happens. And then for like a year, I don't even bring it up. But then, like, we're locked down, and then um, that that all that's also pressure, right? Like, I'm a pretty, I like to be creative. Um, being locked down was like very like challenging. I was trying to like do all these other projects to keep my mind like occupied. But at the end of the day, like, it always came back to like, hey, what about the story that you wrote like 12 years ago when you were a kid, like student? And then what about that thing you taught you told Dicky about? That how you're gonna make a comic book and like think you're gonna be he's gonna be the illustrator. And then day after day, it just kind of kept building up. And then I was, and then I called him again. And then I was, hey man, I think we should definitely do this. Like, are you down? And then we started off with um weekend like meetings, like Saturdays, every Saturdays we met up and then we would discuss the script, the world, the characters. And then every, and then we gave each other homework. So next Saturday, we have like this district of the city. This is what it's going to look like. This character, he's, he's going to be wearing this kind of clothes. This is what he, he's like based off. Like he, this is like his characteristic and all of that. It was really slow. So that was like six months just developing it. Oh, as for uh, Praetorius, um, for Dave, Dave is, uh, Dave is Dickie's, um, classmate from school when they studied animation i think together at uh algonquin 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 college in ottawa so he joined after we finished the first issue so we did the first issue in black and white and then um i did a we did like a survey and we kind of like we asked people hey would you like to see this colored and then um People, a lot of people said, yeah, I also, I was also curious on what it would look like colored. And then, um, at that point, Dickie, like kind of reached out to his friends and then, um, Dave came into the picture and then, uh, we, we gave Dave like a page and, uh, yeah. And then he was like, my perfect for it. (laughs) So right away, as soon as we saw like what he did, 
like we knew like he was completely aligned because um the the color palette that we me and Dickie were thinking about Dave was on top of it. Um, I I really think Dickie and Dave they really work really really well together. Um, like stylistically and the way they work, yeah, they really complement each other. Like uh, Dickie's line work gives enough room for Dave to be creative, and because of that, Dave makes. Uh, Dickie's line work just look amazing as well. Yeah, and like even for like chapter three, which we're reviewing right now, I'll look at like certain details on like how um Dickie like lined certain like objects. And then on top of that, Dave coming in and coloring it. I'm like, man, like it's it's so good. <laughs> I'm also biased, but but like for me, yeah, but I see stuff like that, even like minuscule like details. I'm like, man, you guys are really good together. I would say if I had to sum this thing up, it would be intense. You know, there's a lot of action here. There's a lot going on here. And the colors that they that they choose for this and the way that everything's drawn, you really capture the action, whether it's, you know, the fighting, the gunshots, just all the violence. You know, this thing is, if it was drawn a different way, it just wouldn't look as good. But, you you know, those two do a really good job just sort of bringing that action to life in, in a really, really good way. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious. Did you have to give them like a lot of input as to okay, I want to look like this or this, or were they able to just take that script and say okay, here's what we're doing? Yeah. So um, this is where it's kind of like controversial. <laughs> I'm kind of a dictator when it comes to storyboarding, <laughs> and that's because like that goes back to um, um, that goes back to me not knowing how comic book really works, like writing for comic books how it really works. So when I first, when we first uh, experimented with um, the first few pages, me and Dickie, um, I wrote the, I gave him like the script and then he was supposed to do like a page or two. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh no, this is not how I wrote it. And then we kind of went back and forth and then I realized, oh, it doesn't work. Or, like I have to go in and I have to like storyboard it myself. And even then, there's still like details because at the end of the day, I don't want him me to be. I don't want him to just like trace everything that I do. Like he needs his own like thing input. So yeah, like okay, I mean, but it it still comes from a. I mean, I know c- certain artists do work like this, but a lot of them don't. Like I know a lot of pros, like writers are just writers, and then the illustrator does all the like storyboarding, and then maybe they'll give options, and then they get to pick like whatever. But I'm a I'm a fucking dictator on this. <laughs> like I'm really like. I think and I think Dicky wants to kill me sometimes like when I say no, this has to be bad again. Um, I'm also like a stickler for it because I mean that is I mean, that's like not fair for me to say because I think any comic book nerd would say like they're would say the same. Um, detail oriented, right? Oh yeah, I I think I think you have to be, especially because like this is your baby. This the you know this is your creation from years ago, and I think too. When it comes to being like you call yourself a dictator, but then again, you guys are you guys are still are still working together. You know, you 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 got two issues out, third one on the way. If you were really that bad to work with, I don't think they would stick around. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so maybe I, it's getting close though. Maybe it's maybe close. yeah. You never know. Maybe maybe there will be no issue three. Maybe it'll be issue three. Will be uh, the last one. You never know. But I know. I, I think there's kind of a fine line between you know being detail-oriented and just being this control freak that just no one wants to be a part of. So maybe you kind of hit that sweet spot in between the two points. 
Yeah, I mean, also, like, um, Dicky and Dave are just, like, just two, like, the nicest dudes, too. So, um, I think there is, like, a sweet spot where we understand that this is what we really like doing. We love, it's, like, our passion, right? And in as a team, we're letting each other kind of do, like, certain things. Um, but sometimes I think I can have a little bit too much hold over them. <laughs> but it's something I'm going to have to work with. Well, you know, so far so good. So far so good. Okay, I, you know, I want to talk about about the characters because you got some pretty cool characters. You got Jericho. He's the president of the legions, more or less, been protecting the city from organized crime. But now, you know, he's he's getting older. His best days are kind of behind him, and he wants to sort of re- relive the past. How does he go about doing that? What's his overall role in the story? So I think um, one of the reasons like why I chose this like arc for him was when I was studying writing, you get to learn all, about all the different tropes, like hero tropes, right? The character tropes. And I really like the idea of a tragic hero. I mean, just like the way it sounds, a tragic hero, <laughs> that sounds artsy as fuck. <laughs> and I was like 20 year old kid. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got to write my story. <laughs> And it has to be a tragic hero. So as dumb as that sounds, that was like um, the motive behind creating an old guy who whose best years are um, past him, well past him. Oh, and also it's because after, it was it was soon after watching uh, No Country for Old Men as well. So there was a lot of like, I mean, I'm a huge movie geek, so... It was whatever I was watching, and it, and it was influenced by at that point of my life, and that was like twenty year old David, and I think there was like a fascination between like what happens when the world doesn't really need you anymore. And I've actually talked to my dad about this as well, because like I after I I finished watching the Country for Old Men, like the first person I talked to was my dad, because <laughs> like, he was like the old man that I I can talk to, so. Um, I kind of got his like, perspective. I went to my friend's dad's and like heard their like what their thoughts were about just getting old and their feelings. Um, yeah, so like that, and yeah, that was like um, like the the initial thought in writing a story around like a tragic hero and the fall from grace. But I also wanted to write a character that. It's like the polar opposite of him as well. And I wanted that to be really exciting. Uh, and and a structure that I kind of like copied is is like Fargo. Because Fargo starts with the, the villain. And that's like the whole act. And, and then you see like the hero, the detective come in, right? And I thought that was like really like interesting, like structurally. No other movie like really does that that well. And... I don't know where I'm going with this, but that was also like an influence of like focusing on like the bad guy mm-hmm. and his fall from grace. But in the story, as we read, and if you get to that point where I get to finish the story, um, you guys will see like there's also the polar opposite character that comes in. Um, 
to balance that act. Because yeah. or, or else it's going to be such a depressing story, just like angry old men, gangs fighting, just killing each other. So yeah. there needs to be a little bit of break of hope, I think. Yeah. Well, you've also got this other character, Kay. And Kay is kind of like, uh, he's kind of like the young upstart, basically. He's looking to change things. And uh, we see him just causing chaos for the sake of like causing chaos. Um, what do you think he brings to the table? Where is he sort of taking the story? So when I, <laughs> when I wrote this, there's... A lot of these like characters do have like they do represent like symbols and like illusions and all of that. Um, I don't want to like ruin it too much because um, it's not even I'm not even far away enough in the story where I think um, readers are able to develop certain things like that. Uh, so I don't want to like go too far into it. But uh, at the moment, I could say that he is at least to Jericho. He thinks. K is the person that he can't control right now. And, um, but we'll see. Maybe K's not the only one. Yeah. Cause you, forget, cause you also got this other character, um, Comox. If there's like a wild card here, it's going to be him because he's not, he's not really like a gang leader. He's just, he's just sort of there. But this is mm-hmm. guy, this guy's like a young prince, trained from birth, destined to be his tribe's greatest warrior. So I feel like if there's going to be an X factor here, it's going to be him. Yeah, so basically other than um the Legion and Jericho, all the other characters and their factions are um it's opposing factions. But Comox is an interesting um character because he's there to help Jericho. And that that's gonna be revealed in chapter four, which is being inked right now. We're almost done inking chapter four right now. Mm. Uh so in chapter four we'll we'll, we'll reintroduce Comox and um yeah, he um he's put in the situation where he is helping Jericho. And for Jericho, um he doesn't like that either because you know, he's it's he's aging. And it kind of represents to his people that he can't handle his business anymore. <laughs> I see. I see. All right. One thing I was really curious about, because I mentioned earlier that this is not just available in print, but you can also check it out on Webtoon right now. Folks, if you don't get it, it's a free app. Mm-hmm. Download it. Thousands of comics. The end. How would you get in touch with uh, uh, these guys and how to sort of get onto the platform? We're on Webtoon, but it's... You can also read it on our website for free. Um, so Webtoon's a Korean uh, company. So when I was growing up, so Webtoon was becoming really, really big. A lot of like uh, Korean TV shows, Korean movies are also all Webtoon-based, influenced by Webtoon. Uh, so I always knew it was there. But when I was making the comic book, um, one of the... Um, it's, it's, it's basically when I was out there selling comic books in the cold, was when I realized, oh, okay, so this isn't the best way either. Yeah, sure, I'm moving the comic book from my that are in my house, and I'm selling it, but this is also not the most efficient way. Like, this should be moving automatically online or something. And in order for that to happen, I need a fan base. And um, and then I realized, and then I had that aha moment. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's, it's all about the fan base first. So how do I gain a fan base? So... Uh, Webtoon was Webtoon is one of the big. I think it is the biggest like online comic book uh, platform. Uh, the only thing is about Webtoon is you have to be uh, you have to be very organized. It has you have to have like a release date and you have to be very punctual about it. 
So when we first released it, we actually did have like a bunch of views. And then when we released the second issue, which was like months after, it just completely dropped. And then I realized, oh, okay, so Webtoon's not really doable because we're not like actually like paid pros. We do this on like Saturday. <laughs> You know, me and the boys just get together on Saturday to make comic books. So it's it's not like something we do like professionally. So we can't keep up with webtoons. So I propose, hey, let's just release it online on our website as well, and then let's just try to promote it as much as possible. So right now, like since we released it online, I think that was in November uh, last year. We're getting like average of like two hundred people uh every week coming in. Uh so it's it's better than nothing. Um because if not, like no one's reading my comic book, right? So it's I'm I'm just really just trying to <laughs> build this fan base right yeah. now. And really it is it is one reader at a time, you know. I mean, like you said, you're very you're very new to this. It's your first mm-hmm. project. Um yeah, it really is a one person at a time process. I think anyone who starts a comic and thinks, "Oh yeah, this will get picked up by Marvel tomorrow, and I'll be making billions of dollars." That's it's a fucking unicorn. It's never gonna happen. You know, it really yeah. is. You know, going to the cons and you know giving out your comic for free if you have to. Ideally, people will buy it, but you do what you gotta do to get that out there and get the fan base going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd rather have someone read it than um, um, than anything. And even like if someone buys it, if they don't like it, like you know, at least I want to give them the option to like read it for free, and then they can choose to like not like it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's like foolish. Yeah. But uh, I I get you, man. I get you. All right. So where is this series going? I mean, no no spoilers, but how long a series is going to be, and what are and what are we going to see? So um. It's 23 chapters long. It's divided into four parts. Part The first part, part one, is going to be chapters one to five. So I finished um, storyboarding chapter five. So it's all ready to go. Um, so the first part is really, um, it's, it's the setup. They're seeing all the characters, where they are. And then um, the inciting incident of how what like pushes K to actually starting the war. So right now, um, at least from chapter two, one of, one of the things that I do is like I make everything really vague. So it's really up to the readers to fill in the blanks. Um, a lot of people hate it. Like even like today, like my writing partner in New York, I sent him all my scripts all the time. And I sent him <laughs> chapter three for review. And he's like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> like, I know it's one of your things. You don't like to explain like seeds, but like I'm so lost. <laughs> yeah, not gonna lie. Reading chapter two, uh, some of the initial pages, I was like, "What the fuck am I even seeing here? Who's this dude? What's this thing that's happening? Yeah. What's going on here?" Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, hopefully um, when chapter five is done, uh, it'll flow much naturally because at the moment. The first four chapters are pretty much standalone. It's like introduction points for different like characters. Um, and then in chapter five, it's an inc- inciting incident where Kay is like, he's going to start the war against Jericho. Because in chapter two, what, what it alludes to is like, Kay is really just unifying his people within the ruins. 
he's he's not actually starting a war or anything. He's just making sure the ruins is his. But after chapter five, um, he's gonna move his troops into the city, and uh, big wars go up. He's also gonna look for recruitments and other sides of the city, other gang members. And uh, each gang has their own like specialty. Almost like the way I created these like factions is like I thought of them as like ninjas, like how Naruto has like ninja clans and stuff. But it's like gangsters in like a dystopian like society. Um, so in part two and three, we're gonna see a lot of like these like different like sides of the city, um, uh, different styles of gangsters. Um, yeah, and then we're gonna see like how cruel like cruel like Jericho is and um and then him just getting old and how he can't handle situations oh <laughs> uh, yeah I I love how how his like signature weapon is sweet Wendy a sawed off <laughs> shotgun that he carries inside his suit that's like so perfect there yeah so we get to see that in chapter four so I think it's actually one of the latest chap um pages that Dickie just like finished as well so yeah, um, we get to see that, and as um, the story progresses, we're gonna see him see more of that. Like he's gonna pull that sweet Monday <laughs> and just start blasting people. Nice, looking forward to that, man. Looking forward to that. All right, all right. Well, David, man, unfortunately, dude, we got to bring this thing to a close. But this has been a lot of fun, man. I mean, I'm really enjoying the comic and. Uh, one thing I also want to mention that you guys also basically have your own your own company here. It's called uh, Sarazard. Uh, it's 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 where all the information is. The comics are are uh, out there, and mm-hmm. you kind of made this to produce the comic. But do you see this thing growing? Do you want to pick up like more titles? Yeah, I mean, so I've actually pitched to some of my writer friends. Um, they mostly write for a film, and since now I'm doing just like comic books. I was like, hey, guys, like, if you guys want to write comic books, I'll produce it for you. Like, just write it. And then I can make, I can have more, t- uh, like, titles on the side. But, um, again, like, I have another job, like, that supports my life. Uh, that takes a lot of time. And I don't know if I have enough time to uh, manage other people's projects. But on the side, we're doing really cool things. So, uh, for, for example, uh, we're making a VR, like, short story thing. So, our um, proof of concept is already finished. So what we're trying to establish with that is we're making one minute like VR short stories using characters from the city and then showing them in their own light apart from the main storyline. So they seem you can relate to them more. And as you're reading it, you'll understand why they behave a certain way. So the first one is um, um, the gangster Camus who in the first episode, he mentions that he played baseball in Old Toulouse. So we have, so we use that whole baseball thing. And as we, when you wear the VR headset, he has like a bat and he has like a grenade that he's kind of tossing around. <laughs> and another thing is that since we already rendered that 3D model, uh, we're going to make the 3D model downloadable on our website. So you can take it to your local library and then you can print it out as an action figure. So that's in the works right now. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm like I'm just trying to like do whatever it takes to like kind of 
bring more value to this story and also just trying to grow a fan base by giving up more free things but just just read the comic book if you don't if you don't like it like it's fine <laughs> just say you hate it go on my instagram and say hey you fucking suck dude or like whatever oh, but man. i'm just trying to like I'm trying to offer as many things as possible. Yeah. And I think action figures are pretty fucking cool. So, um. uh, fuck yeah, man. Give me some of those, dude. Absolutely. You know, I, I am, I am a sucker for merch of all kinds. You know, if you got action mm-hmm. figures, I'll buy them. If you got posters, I'll put them on the wall. I am a sucker for this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's been really hard to sell them. <laughs> and, but you, you know what? It's down to one person at a time. You know, that's what mm-hmm. you get. You get yeah. One person at a time. And that's how you build yourself your massive fan base. And in the meantime, folks, you can go to sarazard.com, S-E-R-A-Z-A-R-D.com. The comics are there. The backstory is there. The social links are there. I'll keep saying because it's got to be said. Follow these guys. Like their socials. Comment on their posts. Tell them they, f- they fucking suck if that's what you actually think. Interaction of all kinds of good, you know? It's it's how this whole thing grows. And uh, David, man, looking forward to the next conversation. We'll check back in about the story and see where it's going. Awesome, yo. Thanks so much for having me, Max. And that'll bring this episode to a close. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get to me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check the show out wherever you find your favorite podcast as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.